0: And you may be
1: seated. Amen. I'm going to ask you to take your Bible and turn to Psalm 100 at this time, please. Psalm 100 in your Bibles. We will spend some time this Sunday and next Sunday talking about the topic of giving thanks. I hope I don't have to work too hard at convincing you. I'm going to work at it. But I hope that this is an easy sell for you, that you are not one that we have to twist your arm to give thanks. We might learn something along the way about what God has told us to truly be thankful about, and it's my hope that this can be one of those areas in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ that the overflow is obvious. When I say overflow, I'm talking about the connection that you would have to people in the world. Because anybody can rejoice and give thanks when their bank account is full. Anybody can rejoice and give thanks when the health is perfect and the refrigerator is full of food. For the child of God, we are able to give thanks at something that is difficult. We can give thanks when we are going through trials. We can give thanks, honestly, the Bible example is, we can give thanks when we have nothing, right? Right? We are blessed as God's people. I want, I want to ask you to bow your heads in prayer one more time. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for your wonderful goodness to us. We see that demonstrated in so many ways, and one of the beautiful ways is through your church. We thank you that you began the church. Yes, the group of all individuals that would accept Christ as Savior, but also the individual local churches. We thank you that this is your plan for today. We thank you that we can be encouraged by it, and we can be a part of encouraging others that are here. And now as we gather around your word, would you please be clearly among us. May the ministry of the Holy Spirit be present, teaching and encouraging, convicting, and we thank you that we are not alone in this, but we are together, and most of all, that we have the Holy Spirit. Present with us as we go. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to get very practical with giving you some helps for the upcoming Thanksgiving holiday. I know it's a couple weeks away, but I think that this is something that if we can get a run at it, we can kind of see it ahead of time, we can do even better, be even more pleasing to our God. Because it might be that somebody springs something upon you that you're not ready for. I had this opportunity years ago. I think it was the very first Thanksgiving that uh, Tina and I celebrated um, that we hosted. And we had family that was coming in. And I kind of had this picture in my head of what the perfect Thanksgiving dinner would look like. And of course, the food is a good thing. But I was going to another area in my head. I was trying to think of this idea of let's stop and pause and have everybody around the table say something that they're thankful for. Well, I gave no advance warning on this. I just sprung it on the group. And I don't think that they were um, used to doing this as well. And I can remember vividly that it did not go like I wanted it to. In fact, for me, Thanksgiving was ruined because... We could not simply go around the table and have everybody give something that they were thankful for. So I want to let you know right now that might be coming. Can you get in the mindset of thinking of something that you're thankful for? And maybe even give this some extra effort. I came across a list recently that I thought was helpful. It's a little bit of a different kind of thinking about what somebody is thankful for. This person wrote this. He said, I'm thankful for the clothes that fit a little bit snug because it means that I have plenty to eat. I'm thankful for a lawn that needs to be cut and windows that need to be cleaned and gutters that are overflowing with leaves because it means that I have a home. I'm thankful for the huge heating bill that I have because I, I can walk into a warm house in the wintertime. And he also wrote, I'm thankful for the piles of laundry that need to be done because it means loved ones are near. Thanksgiving is a unique American holiday. We do not celebrate this holiday because of some kind of a a war that was won. It's not the birthday of someone famous that we're celebrating. Instead, this is a day that is set aside to give thanks to God. If I could read you some history um, from George Washington, back in 1789, this was the public proclamation that was made, quote, by the President of the United States of America, a proclamation, whereas it is the duty of all nations to recognize the providence of the Almighty God and to obey his will and to be grateful for his benefits and humbly implore his protection and favor. And, and whereas both houses of Congress have by a joint committee requested of me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by and acknowledging with grateful hearts the many favors of God Almighty. Therefore, I recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th of November, to be devoted by the people of these states of the service of the great and glorious being, who is the author of all the good that was and all the good that is and all the good that ever will be. Now, a few years later, in 1863, Lincoln made this an official holiday to be repeated every year here in America. And what I want to stick in your mind from that little bit of history, from Washington and Lincoln's mind, is that little line, who the author of all that good is. You see, back when this was established, it was not some kind of a positive force that was out there, and we're going to acknowledge good force. It wasn't that karma was who got the credit for things that were going wonderful in America, but instead they were talking about God. They were saying we're going to set aside this day to thank the God and the God of the Bible of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come down to earth and die on a cross. This is exactly who was in mind when thanksgiving was established. And so I would challenge you, no matter how you view our country today, I would encourage you with this. Our spiritual roots run very, very deep There was faith, there was virtue, and there was a morality that was present when our country was founded. One of the biggest problems with Thanksgiving is many people just don't know what to do with it. People are thankful for a holiday, they're thankful for a few days uh, from the routine of things, but for the most part, folks don't know what to do with it. We have a habit of monetizing everything. We see that with so many of the holidays. I came across some interesting numbers. Um, on an average Halloween, or maybe it was a one in recent history, $8.4 billion is spent at Halloween in America. That's $89 a person, all right? That's a lot of Milky Ways that some of these kids are eating, right? When we come to Christmas, the number goes up substantially, as you can imagine. One recent Christmas, four hundred and sixty-five billion dollars was spent at Christmas time. That's an average of eight hundred dollars a person. What about Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving's kind of a different bird, if you know what I mean. It's we can't quite put that kind of emphasis on it in the same way. And for many people, unfortunately, Thanksgiving has turned into a day that we stuff ourselves before we go shopping. And that's what Thanksgiving is to so many people. Some would like to call it Turkey Day, even though it's not all that great for the turkeys that are out there. But how do we approach Thanksgiving? What does God's word have to tell us about being thankful? I think this is a very mature and a very wonderful way to approach this special day that's coming up. We need to reflect on God's faithfulness, and we need to rejoice in His blessings. And you might say to yourself, well, I hear what you're saying, and I've heard that with some others, but just to be frank with you, Jeremy, there's a whole lot of things on my list that I haven't gotten, and so I'm really not sure if I'm all that thankful. In fact, about a year ago, I had a list of six things that I wanted to have or accomplish, or be a part of my life. And I've fallen short in all of those, so I'm really not sure that I'm all that interested in giving thanks. Well, all that to bring us to our text. Psalm 100 is where we're going to be today, and I want to challenge us with this. The reason that you should give thanks, we're going to look at right from God's Word today. The scripture is clear as to why we are to give thanks. I'm going to read the entire psalm. It's just five short verses. Psalm 100 starting in verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and we are his. We are his people. And the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Now let's look at a little bit of history as we approach Psalm 100. Many of you are familiar that the book of Psalms was the songbook of the nation of Israel. And I think that this psalm would have been one of their favorites. Of course, originally written, this was written to the people of Israel. God understood clearly that they were going to get to a place that was called the Promised Land. And when they got there, it would be a place where their needs would be met as far as food, He understood that God's people were going to get to a place where they had rest from the attacks of their enemies. And it's easy to call out for God when you're being attacked, when you're in need, when you're in pain. But when things get comfortable, we might go a little longer. A little longer without giving thanks to God. God understood that Israel would get to a place where it would be easier for them. And when that day comes, God essentially is saying here in this psalm, Do not forget me. Don't forget that I delivered you from Egypt. The most wonderful and incredible story of delivering slaves known to man. He would deliver his people from Egypt. Don't forget that when you were wandering in the wilderness, your children and your families and your parents, everyone that was with you, I gave you water miraculously. I gave you food every day miraculously. Do not forget. And God wants the same instruction to come to you and to me. Because God has taken care of us. Now don't rush too quickly into thinking you know what I'm talking about when I say God is taking care of us. Slow down. In fact, if you're already fast-forwarding to a thankful list that you might give at the Thanksgiving dinner, I would ask you just to pause and very possibly reconsider what you might thank God for. Because we need reminders, we do. God understands that. God knows, knows that some of us are very prone to forget And some of God's people said, amen, right? My hand's up with that one. We're prone to forget. Sometimes we forget the blessings that are right in front of us. If I were to ask the question about the church, how many of you are glad that you can join together with other people who have found Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and you can rejoice by singing in a group with others of the same faith? most of you would nod your head yes. You would say, I am so thankful that I can leave my home and come to this place and join with believers. If I were to ask the question, how many of you are thankful that we have some missionary families that have chosen to leave their place where God brought them up and go to a different country? Go to a different, total, um, a, a completely different atmosphere for them and you say, I'm so thankful for, and you can fill in your favorite missionary's name that we support and see what they're doing and see the souls that are being given the gospel and are coming to Christ, and I personally think that we'll get to interact with them in heaven someday. And how many of you would say, I am so thankful for what we have in being able to spread the gospel? I wonder how many of you, if I were to ask, how many of you are glad that as a church we're able to offer ministries. Able to offer ministries to parents. Some of you who are past that stage, raising kids, was that a piece of cake for you? For some of you, it might have been easier. For some of you, you got to the point where you didn't know what to do. What do I do with this situation? I don't know what to do. And if we were to ask that question, are you thankful that we as a church family can offer assistance? Yes, yes individuals who love Jesus Christ that can teach the Bible to your youth, but also just a connection that families can have as they come here and have in common that they want to raise their kids to follow Jesus Christ. And I can go on and on and ask you, I wonder who's thankful for this aspect of the church, and I wonder who's thankful for this. Now, I did not look this up on the internet, but as I was thinking of what's the opposite of being thankful my mind went right to one word and it was the word complaining you know complaining seems to be the national sport in some people's uh, countries when we think of complaining it comes so easy for some people and I think that in order for us to combat this idea of losing our thankfulness we need to guard very much against complaining because it's easy to complain and you know who is easy? For the most, me. I found myself not too, not too long ago just doing an evaluation and looking at something um, that I have you know, some connection with. And as I was looking at it, all I could see was it should be better here. This could be better here. We need improvement here. Why isn't it this way? And as I got into it, I found myself completely on the negative. And I had to stop, and I had to say, well, what's good about this? And there was so much that was good. But it's easy for us to fall into this rut of life of complaining, not having it exactly like you want it, and so we turn ourselves to focusing on the negative. All right, back to Psalm 100 here. This is not a Psalm that is just for the people of Israel. Originally it was written to them, but this is written to all the earth, and it says that right off the bat. Make a joyful noise to the, to the Lord, all the earth. So it's more than just Israel. And I want you to notice that this psalm does not mention the things to be thankful for. So if you heard me give that opening illustration, what can you be thankful for if you're asked... You can't go to Psalm 100 and find some material things that you can say, Hey, I got that, so I'll be thankful for that. Instead, in every verse in this psalm, we find that it points us to be thankful for the Lord. I think in one of the verses it actually uses a a pronoun, but in the other four it uses the name Lord. This reminds us that our rejoicing every day is not based on the material things that we have but our rejoicing every day is based on the God who loves us. You know, I'm going to ask you to participate a little bit today. I'm going to give a line here. We'll see if we can memorize it by the end of the service. I'll say the first part and you say the second part. Here's the whole line together. Thanksgiving is not based on what I have. That's the first part. But is based on who I know. So you've got to remember three words. The words are who I know. Let's take a shot at this. Are you ready? All right. Just the last three words is your part. Here we go. First try. Thanksgiving is not based on what I have, but it's based on. Who I know. All right. Very good. Let's do it like the Pledge of Allegiance. We're all saying it together. All right. That's very good. All right. One more time. Thanksgiving is not based on what I have, but it's based on. Who I know. All right. Let's examine that for just a little bit. Because possessions are going to come and they're going to go. Time is going to come and time is going to go. Even friends. Friends will come and friends will go. But when we look to the Son of God, Jesus Christ, He comes into our life and Jesus stays. We find a wonderful encouragement in something that can never be taken away from us. And we find this challenge all throughout. Now, it's not bad to be blessed in a material way. We're celebrating um, this nine-month point and bringing in some finances to update our facility. We celebrate that, and that is a blessing. But we never let that get to be in the number one spot. We never allow our love for God to be knocked out um, into second place or any other place. And Hebrews thirteen five is a great verse for us to keep in mind as we approach what we are genuinely thankful for, where it says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I could not leave that last part off of this because we oftentimes will quote, of Hebrews, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then verse 6 goes on to say, so that we can say confidently, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear what man can do to me. And so it's not, I don't fear man because I got enough money in the bank. And it's not, I don't fear what man can do to me because of my own brains. It's because God has said he will never leave me and will never forsake me. Let's try our line again. I asked you to remember three words. Thanksgiving is not based on what I have, but is based on who who I know. know. That was getting weaker, all right. All right. Who I know is all you've got. I shortened it up for you there. Probably one of the best lessons that I've ever been taught on thankfulness was taught to me by an individual that I barely knew. His name was Red Saunders. Years ago, my Uncle Jack on Thursday nights would uh, go out on visitation. We'd go out and sometimes visit on somebody that was new to the church. Sometimes we would call on somebody who um, hadn't been around church for a while. We knocked on their door and just to see how they were doing. We went to visit a couple one time, Mr. and Mrs. Saunders, and as we went to visit them, I didn't know who they were, and my Uncle Jack always gave me the same advice when we went out. Here's what he said, He said, I'll do all the talking. You just keep your mouth shut and pray. That's what he said. And it was great advice. We went and visited this wonderful couple, and I got to see the apartment they lived in. And then it was a few weeks later, and Jack said, well, tonight we're going to go see Mr. Saunders. And I said, oh, okay. Well, he's not in the same place. You see, Mr. Saunders is in poor health, and he's been moved just about three blocks down to a nursing home. And so we went to visit him. And I don't know if I had been in a nursing home too Many times up to that point in my life, I was about 19 years old. And as we went in there, uh, we went to visit him, and Mr. Saunders always said the exact same thing when we greeted him. He said that, Michael Jack would say that common question, how are you doing? And he would always give the same answer. He'd always say, I can't complain, just like that. When we'd go and visit him sometimes, and I'll just be honest with you, the nursing home that he was in was the worst nursing home in town. You walked in and the smell was not a good smell. And he had a roommate that was not a good roommate. One time we walked in to see Mr. Saunders on a Thursday night and he was laying on the floor. He had fallen and he was laying there. And so we, we helped him get up and we were a little bit nervous and anxious and we helped get him into his bed and after things were settled a bit and situated, my Uncle Jack took his hand and read, we called him Red was his first name. His first name was actually Pearl, but he went by Red. Red, my old friend, how are you doing? He asked after we got him into his bed. And you know what he said? He said, I can't complain. Now imagine me as a 19-year-old observing this. All right, smell that I would think to myself what are you talking about you can't complain hear that the noises around you here was the worst part are you ready his wife was three blocks away and she couldn't drive and the bus that would give her a ride couldn't turn around in that parking lot she got to go and see her husband she lived every day with her husband for all those years and now she can go and see him maybe twice a week which was the worst part we found him on the floor. His legs were about as big around as my forearm, so thin. And my Uncle Jack would take his hand and he'd say, Red, my old friend, how are you doing? And he said the same thing every time. He said, I can't complain. And I was clueless to what he was talking about. What did he know? He understood That we need to not be thankful, most of all, for the material things. Praise God for that if they come. We need to be thankful, not most of all, for the health. Praise God for that if that's part of your life. But we need to be thankful to God. And he wasn't just putting on the dog. He wasn't lying to us just to be friendly because we came to see him. He was being honest and sincere. He had learned the truths that we find here in Psalm 100. Three commands that we're going to pull out of this, and I think you could probably find more if you go and do a more detailed look, but three commands that we're going to go ahead and give. If you're taking notes, this is kind of the takeaway as we go. Number one, we need to express our praise to God openly and loudly. We need to express our praise to God openly and loudly. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth is what it says here. If you find yourself in the situation where you are married, it's likely that on your wedding day, either to, from the wife to the husband or from the husband to the wife, it's likely that on your wedding day you told your future spouse or your spouse that you just got, I love you. Likely. I hope you did. And I want to let you know that's not enough to sustain you through your marriage. You can't just say it that one time and you're good to go. The old joke, well, I told her when we got married and if I change my mind, I'll let her know. That does not fly. We cannot use that. You won't get away with that in your marriage. You won't. You have to continually remind them, I love you. I love you. We need to say it out loud to them. And if you came to Jesus Christ one day, asked God for forgiveness because of the work done on the cross by Jesus Christ, and you said, God, I love you. Please forgive me and make your child, make me your child. It's not enough for you to get through the rest of your life without saying it again. Express your praise to God openly and loudly. People around you should know that you're a Christian. And I get the temptation here. I know very much so that we like to you know, go throughout our, our, our community, the places that we visit, where we run errands, and we don't necessarily want to play our whole hand. We don't let everybody know everything about us. But can I suggest to you that you're surrounded by people who, in my humble opinion, are going to come to a point where they're asking the questions, is there life after death? What's all this church business about? They might not ask it today. In fact, they might be an antagonist to individuals who are Christians today. But I think everybody gets to the point where they ask the question, is there life after death? What is purpose of life why is life so unfair why do i do the things that i don't want to do these major questions and i think they're going to start to look and so perhaps their grandmother was a church member somewhere and they'll say well i guess that's good as any other or perhaps they'll say you know what that one woman that comes in here all the time they're talking about god that one gentleman I know for a fact that he has a regular habit of going to church. And so when they start to look, they can see your life. Talk about it. And talk about it to other believers. I hope there are not any Christians here that when you hear somebody say, well, praise the Lord for that, praise God for that, I hope it never gets old you hearing that. I hope you say, that's right, praise God. Quickly, number two, we are to serve the Lord with gladness. Number two, verse number two says just that, serve the Lord with gladness. It's interesting that when we talk about thanksgiving, this psalm that talks about thanksgiving, it points you right to doing something. Number one, praising God out loud, but then it says if you're thankful, you need to serve the Lord and you need to be glad about that serving. Every Christian should be serving the Lord in one way or another. There are some that think there's only a handful of people that can really serve God, that can really serve God, maybe in the church. But I would suggest to you that that is something that all of God's children were made for. God has given a spiritual gift to all of his children. How do you find out what your spiritual gift is? Now, some of you know. You can even go online and take a test. I think in my files, I've got a couple different tests you can take to find out what your spiritual gift is. But let me just go a little bit of a different direction with encouraging you with this. How can you find out what your spiritual gift is? Well, let me encourage you by finding out what your spiritual gift isn't. How do you do that? Well, simple. You you volunteer for everything. That's how you find out what your spiritual gift isn't. The church has an opportunity There's a ministry, it's a good ministry, something that directs us. It it falls under either worship or instruction or fellowship in some way or expressing God's love. Volunteer. When an announcement is made, volunteer. Go for it. See if that's how you're gifted or how you're not gifted. And, you know, if you're working in the children's ministries and you find yourself tied up and lit on fire, then perhaps that's not how you're gifted. That's fine. But jump into it. We've got fire extinguishers around here. We'll take care of you. (laughs) Find out what your gift is. Maybe find out what your gift is not. Understand that most gifts don't come fully formed, okay? It's not that we can look at this individual and say, my goodness, they would be the perfect fill-in-the-blank. For just about all of us, we have to jump in and allow that gift to be nourished, to be formed as we go, and by use, the gift will become stronger. I love what the Apostle Paul said to young Timothy when he said, stir up the gift that is in you. The idea there is to develop it. Don't just give up if you're not as good as the person sitting next to you. And Romans chapter 12 verses 6 through 8 gives us some great encouragement here where it says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one, who does not, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Listen, it is a privilege to serve God, and it is obedience to serve God. And this psalm of thanksgiving says you can serve the Lord with gladness, so don't complain about your serving. And this is always on my radar. I hate it when we get people to the point where they're complaining about their serving. And sometimes just, you know, you've got to have somebody to put in the spot or else it's going to fall apart. But it's a dangerous place when week after week you're lamenting the fact that you have to go and be a part of serving in some way. Then let's wrap this up. Number three, be an active part of the church. And we've kind of been talking about that, but I think verse number five of Psalm 100 points us, or verse number four points us even uh, more to that. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name now what was being referred to here when this was written to israel and it said enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise what's being referred to here they're talking about the temple the temple that was built by solomon it got torn down it was later on built by herod but we don't have that same temple today that we participate in worship in. So what is he talking about for you and for me? He is talking about for you and for me, the temple of our bodies. Because the New Testament tells us that once we're a child of God, our bodies are the temple of God. All right, so does that mean that you're off the hook with joining together, walking through those gates and coming into the courts together? Are we off the hook on that? No, we're not. Even though there is not one geographic location for worship, the Bible is very clear that it is special and it is right when God's people join together for worship. The Bible says where two or, or more are gathered together in my name, there am I in their midst. Mark this down. There is nothing that will ever take the place of the local church. And you are missing out if you are not entering into these gates with praise and thanksgiving. When we walk through life, it's so easy for us to get into a rut. It's so easy for us to not have the right perspective on what we're seeing. You can have the exact same situation, have two people look at it, and have two different attitudes. One of thankfulness, one of complaining. Let me close with an example. A few years ago, at my home, I noticed that on trash day, which is Monday, my trash didn't get picked up. I was a bit bothered by that. Not a huge deal. I just hang on to it for a little bit longer and put out double the trash next week. And so I get to the next Monday. My trash didn't get picked up i was a little bothered by that just a little bit got to the third week in a row my trash didn't get picked up well all right now somebody's going to hear about it this this has gone too far there's too much trash building up in my garage so somebody's going to hear about it so i called down to city hall and i said hey my trash has not been picked up for three weeks and they kind of ask an initial question. And I said, yeah, but you don't understand. It's been three weeks and my trash has not been picked up. And so they asked this perfect question. Well, who, who, who are you hiring to do your trash? I said, I'm not hiring anybody. I live in the city limits. I'm in, I'm in the city limits and my trash has been passed over three weeks in a row. And some of you who live in the city limits already know. They said, well, we don't have trash pickup in the city of Lapeer. And so I said to myself, who's been picking up my trash for the past two years? That's what I said to myself. So I hung up the phone, and I knew who was picking up my trash. But what happened was, as I was getting free trash pickup for two years. I didn't pay for it, and I didn't write them a retroactive check either. I was getting free trash pickup. But yet, when I was looking at it in the wrong way, when I had the wrong information, I couldn't be thankful. I was going to complain. I was going to gripe. And yeah, I started paying for trash pickup, and now I pay for it, and I'm thankful that there's trash pickup, I guess, but I write a check for it. But the point is this, up until that time when I made that call, up until they stopped picking it up, I was getting something that I didn't deserve. There was something going on that was not mine, and here's what happened. Somebody came by and picked up my stuff for free, and I didn't deserve it. Let me encourage you with this, brothers and sisters. We cannot just do this one Thursday out of the year, okay? Because people can spot a phony. Are you aware of that? Kids can spot a phony. People around you can spot a phony. So if you decide on Thanksgiving, you know what? I'm going to tell everybody I'm so thankful to God for always giving me. And 51 other Thursdays out of the year, you're griping about everything that you can imagine. What kind of a message is being sent? They're going to say, man, they must have heard a sermon last Sunday about Thanksgiving. And that's why they're being thankful this week. Because every other Thursday out of the year, they're griping about everything they can get their mind on. This needs to be something that builds credibility. Are you genuinely thankful? Are you thankful for what God has done? I'm not talking about what's in your pocket or what's in your hands. I'm talking about who God is. Brothers and sisters, help me out here. Thanksgiving is not based on what I have, but is based on who I know. Let's bow for prayer. And God, we talk to you. We talk to you at this point, and we thank you for what we don't deserve that we have obtained. We thank you for the mercy that was given, and we thank you that for your name's sake, for your mercy's sake, you look down and you showed favor to us. We thank you that we can realize that we are sinners, realize that we deserve nothing but hell, but we thank you that we can also realize that Christ took the punishment for us so that we could ask for forgiveness. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, I'm going to ask Anna to play through a stanza on the piano. I'm going to give you a chance to pray. This is always a chance for you to pray. Perhaps this is a point for you to thank God for something about who he is, his patience, his holiness, his sovereignty. Maybe this is going to be a time when you would say, God, I'm a sinner and I've never asked you for forgiveness. Would you forgive me and make me your child based on the work of Jesus Christ on the cross? Just while the piano plays, take a moment to pray to the God that's listening to you right now.